0: This podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell.
1: And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And Merry Christmas, everybody. We have now reached our Christmas content.
0: Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. So over the next four episodes, we're going to be doing Christmas movies and then we're going to round off with a New Year film. To start off, we're going back into Hallmark territory and we're going to plough through... I think that's the right term. The movie Christmas Land. So, we're going to kick off. Uh, Christmas selection of movies with 2015's Christmasland, directed by Sam Irvin.
1: Yes, so Christmasland is about, which I'm about to read for you from the generic IMDb synopsis. Jules Cooper is a successful New York businesswoman who seemingly has everything. A rapidly growing career in marketing and a handsome boyfriend named Mitchell. Jules soon learns that her beloved late grandmother, Glinda, has left her Christmasland, a magical Christmas-themed village and Christmas tree farm in the countryside. Much of Jules' favourite childhood memories revolve around Christmasland and the holidays that her family spent there in her youth. Upon arriving in Christmasland to claim the property, she meets a handsome and charming Tucker Barnes, the lawyer handling the estate. Christmasland has seen better days since Glinda's tragic passing. And Jules is forced to make many complicated decisions. <laughs> should she sell Christmasland to real estate tycoon Mason Richards and get back to her busy city life? Or should she stay and bring Christmasland back to its former glory with decisions to be made in both life and love? This Christmas for Jules is sure to be both interesting and magical.
0: Yeah, well, in answer to some of those questions in the synopsis, I am tempted to say, who fucking cares by the end of this? But we have committed to doing this as a review, so commit we will. Glinda, I mean, Wizard of Oz reference right there, Glinda. What I want to start by saying is that three people wrote this. It took three people to churn this shit out. How is it that three people had to slave over this script? You could have shoved it into a computer. You could have stuck a monkey in front of a keyboard. They would have come out with something better. This is absolutely dreadful, even by Hallmark standards. Well, I'm not going to say I detested this movie, but I just sat there dumbfounded at how absolutely ridiculous every single thing about this movie was. None of it bears any relation to any part of reality whatsoever. It's stupefyingly idiotic.
1: So we've launched straight into the rant there. That is a first on this podcast. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, so Christmasland. It had been a while since I'd watched a Hallmark film. So I had a little bit more tolerance for it because it had been a while. But as soon as you get into it, you're like, yeah, no, exactly where this is going. It's kind of winking at the audience throughout because it's so predictable. It's so formulaic. But that's what you kind of expect. Now, none of it is based in reality, as Darren has just said. But are we supposed to suspend our disbelief and enjoy a bit of a warm Christmas glowy film or... Yeah no this this film I I I'm trying here but it I just can't really defend it. it it is it is entertainingly bad the dialogue should we begin there
0: oh yeah let's yeah let's just let's just jump right in there's so much that I have to say about this movie go on the dialogue
1: <laughs> okay so the dialogue is so cheesy for example um we've got the main character Jules described as a branding genius that is her her job She is referred to as the Christmas Angel Lady when she returns to Christmasland because the townsfolk believe that she is going to reignite their beloved Christmasland and bring it back to its former glory. But of course, at this point, she has other ideas and just wants to sell it, get the money and go back to the city. There was also a scene where they encouraged the children in the town to make Christmas crafts, so, like, baubles and that sort of thing, which, you know, is, is, is quite nice, I suppose. And then she helps this child enhance this bauble she's making, and the line, I kid you not, was, When in doubt, just add glitter.
0: Yeah, that is the line that I quoted back to my wife, Alison, when we were both watching this um, and the whole thing about adding glitter is not to sort of sprinkle it on to enhance it slightly it's to dump a shitload of glue on it and then dump the glitter onto the shitload of glue so it doesn't really enhance it it just covers it in needless glitter or uh, glitter as they pronounce it in this movie as you said she's a s- supposed marketing genius she's an executive vice president of brand strategy whatever that's supposed to mean. Her branding strategy just seems to be a fairly basic take on what would sell. At the start, you see her trying to promote this coffee place and they're just giving out plastic mugs in an attempt to go green. I mean, that's not a particularly genius bit of brand strategy, but she's held up as some kind of Elon Musk of the marketing world. And she goes off to see this Christmas land, which she inherits. Surprise, surprise. And you're right. She's just got plans to sell it. But as soon as she gets there, the town wins her over and she thinks that she doesn't want to sell it. And then she thinks that she might want to sell it because she's got aspirations to live in a certain part of New York, but she only wants to sell it to the right buyer. And her boyfriend, who is typical hallmark sleazy legal type you know that he's got nothing good on his mind he's not virtuous at all he just wants the money and he wants the status so you know that the buyer he's going to find is going to be a wrong and i mean this movie is full of wrongs not least the people in the town there's a guy in christmas land called uncle frank who seems to turn up at the most inopportune moments When she gets there, she's inherited this house, fine, nice little house, she's asleep, she comes down the first morning, Uncle Frank is in the kitchen making pancakes, some creepy guy has been wandering around the house while she's been asleep. Now the guy is either a fucking psycho or he's just got no respect for personal boundaries whatsoever. The town is just full of weirdos. Like this, there's a woman called Gretchen who's a complete lunatic. She's some sort of bakery type. But again, she just shows up to, you know, ruin everybody's day and sort of and chuck out weird homilies and just say how, how great Christmasland is. I mean, Christmasland's been closed for however long it is in the movie. You wonder what all these people have been doing while Christmasland has been closed. Everybody seems to have existed. While it wasn't actually running, when it gets back up and running, they seem to kidnap children to do crafts with. There's almost like six or seven kids in this place where they're either getting them to make cookies or, you know, baubles or anything. And, you know, and these kids, you know, are supposed to be enjoying it. I mean, Fair play to the kids, they're doing their best impression of, you know, somebody who's now got Stockholm Syndrome because they've been trapped there for like 12 months with these <laughs> lunatics who have been telling them how to make cookies and stuff. It's insane, this movie. It's absolutely insane. The whole crafty Christmas club thing. You can just tell that these are a load of kids who have been put there against their free will and made <laughs> to concoct Christmas artifacts by people were are clearly trafficking humans.
1: So I'm just crying laughing Sorry. right now. <laughs> oh, my God. So going back to Uncle Frank, yeah, now that was my first red flag of this movie. It's like, whose uncle is he? He's referred to as Uncle Frank. Is he Tucker's uncle or is he... The uncle to Jules, or we we just don't even know, but he's referred to as Uncle Frank. It's like good old Uncle Frank, nice, trusty, reliable, lovely Uncle Frank. Um, and yeah, as you say, the, there's the <laughs> the bakers who are very over enthusiastic. As you say, they're lunatics. And isn't there a scene later on where one of them is running an ice cream parlor? Yes. And <laughs> she creepily licks this ice cream prop.
0: Yeah. The ice cream prop is the most unconvincing ice cream prop I've ever seen in a movie. It clearly isn't ice cream, it's just stuck there. It's not moving, it's some kind of latex or plastic thing. And then she manages to get it between her and the camera, so you can't see her lick the backside of this ice cream. And it's the whole thing, it's just like the rest of the movie, the whole thing is massively unconvincing. And I just don't know what it's end. but even people who like Hallmark movies... Surely these people have seen this movie and think, I can't even suspend that amount of disbelief, even for a Hallmark-type movie. The guy who comes in to buy the Christmas Land from her, I mean, from the start, you kind of know that he's not going to have the right intentions for it, even though he says, oh, I love Christmas Land. Um, What's his name? Mason. Mason Richards, who is clearly just in it for himself, which is fair enough. He's a real estate developer. What was Jules thinking? He wasn't going to keep it going Christmas land when it obviously is making sort of not a huge amount of money compared to the amount that it will generate for him if he sells the land off to do apartments or like, you know, or bulldoze it to put a massive freeway through it or something like that. But of course, she's really surprised when he turns out not to be this white knight. He wants to build flats and, and shops and developments and stuff. Now, fair enough, he's a real estate developer. Yeah. The movie paints him as a bad guy. And I guess, yeah, within the confines of the plot, he is a bad guy. But what was she thinking? And when, he, when it's revealed that, oh, yes, he's going to do something bad with it, she tries to buy it back. Now, here comes the main bone of contention for me with Christmas Land. There is a business deal that's done where the real estate developer wants to buy it for 1.7 million dollars. Now, they do this by one piece of paper with one signature and a big cheque for $1.7 million, which Jules does not cash. Now, that is only an intent to sell the property. Jules hasn't even taken the money yet, so she hasn't sold the business. But the movie treats it like she has sold the business just because she signed this one bit of paper. There's no due diligence. There's nothing about the land rights being signed over. So the the sale would not have gone through. And yet the movie treats it as it's a done deal. And now she has to get it back. So they end up having to generate a load more money. And in the end, he sells it back to them for $3 million. But he's selling something back that he never had in the first place. So he ends the movie with $1.3 million extra having done virtually no work and he's just rinsed these townsfolk and the woman who owns the coffee corporation because she's put in to get this exclusive rights to put her coffee in there. So he's rinsed these people out of $1.3 billion. And at the end, it's like, oh yeah, they've saved the town. It's like, no, you're fucking idiots. You've just actually thrown away a load of money on a business deal you had no part of at all. And somehow these lunatics who have got no disposable income whatsoever in the town end up generating $450,000, which they get together in a little safety deposit box that couldn't hold more than about $10,000. So they give this box over and say, there you go, there's $450,000 in this box. No, there fucking isn't, the box is tiny. Have you seen what $450,000 looks like in a stack? Even if it's $100 bills, it doesn't fit in that box. What's going on in this movie? Nothing works. It's completely unrealistic, even by the standards of this sort of movie. It's it's cretinous, it's written by idiots. It's performed by people who clearly don't know what they're doing. And by the end of it, you just think, that's 85 minutes of my life I've wasted on this banal shit. (laughs) So
1: the weird thing about the whole business deal and them finding that extra money is that Uncle Frank, for some bizarre reason actually has the exact amount of money in that box that they need to pay off Al from Home Improvement. So yeah, by the way, Mason Richards is played by Richard Kahn, who is best known for playing Al in Home Improvement. So we thought we'd throw that little fact in there for you. He's the only, like, name I recognise in this movie. Um, But how strange is that, 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 and how contrived that he would have that money. It's like, um, You know, what does Uncle Frank do for a living to be able to stash that amount of money away? Is he money laundering or is he trafficking humans? That's one thing that we we did discuss (laughs) pre-podcast.
0: I think Uncle Frank is a drug dealer because he keeps weird hours. He turns up to places. He seems to know how to get into places. He's got keys for various things. I'm thinking drug dealer for Uncle Frank. And that he's managed to keep it on the down low over all this time because he's in Christmasland and the cops will think, oh, Christmasland, everybody's lovely there. Now, Uncle Frank is probably a fairly nasty piece of work on the side, but just keeps up this front. And, you know, it's Christmasland is a bit of a cover for all of his nefarious dealings. But it's I, I don't I mean, we've seen a lot of these movies. And you do have to suspend disbelief when you're watching most of these, but this one requires a suspension of disbelief that's beyond any other movie of this type i've seen before it's it's astonishing there's there's one point as well I watched it with the subtitles on, and even the subtitles are telling you what to feel because at one point when everything's going wrong and the business deal's falling through, and Jules is kind of trudging through the town, realizing that she's you know she's sold everybody out. It just said melancholy in letters on the <laughs> on the bottom of the screen. It's like, oh, right. OK, so this is the melancholy bit, right? I'm going with the melancholy now. I don't understand this movie, even with sort of people who just watch it with, you know, brain off something to have on in the background or something to just make you feel good, you've got to have a certain amount of internal logic in this movie, and this just doesn't have any internal logic whatsoever. And the chemistry between everybody is zero. At the start, Jules and her boyfriend, Mitchell, the greasy lawyer type. At the start, you think, well, why are these people together? It's clear that they don't want the same things out of life. They don't really go well together. The early scenes with them, it's like that they've just been thrown together. But even then, Tucker, the, you know, the hunky countryside lawyer that she hooks up with, or you think she's going to hook up with anyway, even then, the chemistry between those is zero. The the supposedly romantic scenes between them don't have any spark at all. It, I mean, it's harsh to say this, but when they're both wandering through Christmasland and she's going, "Oh, I don't really know when I'm, you know, I'm a city girl. And he's like, oh, well, you know, you're a city girl, but I like the countryside. And, and I just think, well, why do you both of you just fuck off? <laughs>
1: I was just about to touch on the romantic <laughs> subplot of this film. It's incredibly trophy, But the bit that amused me the most is the sort of sleazy boyfriend Mitchell. Whenever Jules wears this red coat that belonged to her grandmother, that is a very Christmassy coat, he puts her down for it. He basically tells her that she's unattractive for wearing this coat. And then in another scene where she's like dressed up, they're going out for drinks to strike this business deal with Owl from Home Improvement. He's like, oh yeah, you look so much better now than you did the other day. And I was like, seriously, who wrote this? This is just, and, and, and she kind of takes it to a degree as well. Yeah. She doesn't really argue back. So she's not exactly written as a strong woman. She just kind of takes what's thrown at her and makes really deft decisions. And then to thicken the plot a little bit, we discovered that Mitchell and Tucker Barnes were in law school together, but you'd actually think it was more they were in primary school together because (laughs) they apparently fell out because Tucker graduated first in the class and Mitchell was jealous, but Mitchell claimed that he graduated first in the class. And I was thinking, this is really juvenile
0: shit. (laughs) yeah because when they introduce them and they say oh they've got history i was thinking oh what's going off there they've got history sort of has one of them stolen the other's girlfriend something bad's happened at law school now it's just over where they finished in the year it's like really (laughs) really is this where we're going is that what the jeopardy is there isn't any jeopardy there you're right about the christmas coat as well he does put that down i mean the coat's not that bad actually it's quite fashionable and if there's one thing that you can say about this movie is that they do have an attractive lady. Jules is an attractive woman, but you're right; they kind of they make a this kind of almost like simpering sort of woman who goes along with everything instead because usually in these at least you get somebody who's got a bit of get up and go about. You usually have stronger female characters. This one, not really so much. Yeah, it's it's just it's a weird one. This. It ticks all the boxes, but it ticks them in a very crude way. It's like somebody's got a um, a big crayon and has just kind of like smeared it over the boxes. Really, that they're trying to take. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna. I'm running out of steam here because I mean I think I r- I ranted myself out of this early <laughs> on. But there's lots and lots of stuff in this movie where you're just left thinking, why did they do that? Why did that happen? Why did they make the decision to take the plot in this direction? Why is this happening now? Why didn't they do this? What's the point of this going on? The one thing I will say is that if you're a horror movie fan, there's a portrait of Glinda that's hanging up in the home. And that is absolutely Fucking terrifying! If I had that portrait up in my house and I'd inherited it, that would be going straight in the skip. It would be like no good can come of being in a house with that portrait hanging up. Something bad is going to happen. And they're all going on about the portrait and they're going, "Oh, there's you, you know, there's Glinda, you know, oh, you know, got all this, I've got all these good memories of Glinda. It's a shame she's not around here. Why do you get good memories of Glinda from staring at that portrait? It's fucking scary." It's not even a good picture of it. It's just somebody has decided to put something up there that wouldn't be out of place in the Adams family house. And everybody's going, oh, you know, this gives me a warm glow. It reminds me of Glinda's line. Why, why does it give you a warm glow? It's, it's, it's such a freaky bloody picture. You'd be ripping it off the wall and throwing it in the bin.
1: I think her eyes are following you around the room. She's watching. <laughs> Glinda's watching you. <laughs> making sure everyone's taking care of their precious Christmas land. <laughs> and another thing that struck me was the fact that this is Christmas land and not once did we see Santa
0: Claus. That's true, actually. Yes. Yeah. They don't really mention Santa. I mean, occasionally I think it's no. like, I think it, uh, somebody might allude to it at one point, but you're right. At no point do they make the, you know, the, I mean, the central point of this sort of family Christmas, Santa Claus and presents and all that, they don't really dwell on that sort of side of it at all. It's just this vague series of sequences in which some city woman is gradually won over by some out of town. Well, it's not even picture perfect because it's a bit of a dump, Christmas Land. I mean, the whole point is it is a bit of a dump because it's been let to go to ruin and they they fix it up. Speaking of fixing up, there's one point where they find a, um, a carriage, a, a carriage from a horse drawn carriage. And... Apparently, it's completely knackered and needs, you know, it needs renovation completely. And Jules says, well, I can do that. And Tucker doesn't believe her. And there's a bit of tension between them because Tucker doesn't believe that Jules has got any sort of practical experience whatsoever. All that's happened to this carriage is one of the wheels has come off and it just needs putting back on and screwing on. That's the sum total of what they need to do to the carriage. And there's nothing else. But yet they make it sound like, oh, you know, it's wrecked. It's completely wrecked. And you can see from the actual carriage or what's left of it, you just think it's just lost one wheel and the wheel is there and the wheel is fine. And you just need to put it back on the axle and screw it on and it'll be absolutely fine. But it's like, oh God, how are we going to fix it? It's like, you could fix that in 10 minutes. And it's like the rest of the stuff in this movie, there's no jeopardy at all. It's like, oh, how are we going to get out of this? Oh, we can do this. Oh, we've got out of it. There's no complicated solution to anything apart from the fact that they've given that real estate developer... $1.3 million for no reason at all. And then they all go, oh, we've saved Christmas. You haven't saved Christmas. You've spent a load of money that you didn't need to spend. And now you idiots are all going to have to try and make this back. And the woman who owns the coffee company won't be particularly pleased because she spent $850,000 on a franchise that she didn't need to because it's gone off to some other bloke. I mean, he's, he's laughing all the way to the bank, Mason Richards. I mean, he can probably afford to start his own... Spin off a form improvement himself with that money. (laughs) It's it's just it's a crazy movie. I mean, I can I was gonna say I couldn't make head and Tail of it. I couldn't make head and Tail of it, but I just couldn't understand why everything was going on. And by the end of it, I was just thinking like this: this movie is dumb as shit, (laughs) and it took three people to give us something this dumb. I. I cannot believe three people wrote this. Surely one person wrote it and then a couple of people might have contributed a couple of extra lines because I do not believe three people sat in a room and slaved over this script and then came out with that and three people together said, yeah, that's all right. Because it isn't all right. It's just, if that script had come across my desk, even if I was somebody who was green light in these movies, I would have said, you know what? No, you need to go back and rewrite some of this because it doesn't work on any level. You've got to have at least something that the audience is going to root for. But the characters are flat. The writing's terrible. The jeopardy isn't there. The final twist, I couldn't care less. And even at the end of it, it ends with a kind of... It just fizzles out at the end. It's just like, there you go. Christmas Land is more or less what it was before. There's a bit of a romantic clinch between the two leads. But even that isn't, you know, know, they're not dwelled on that either. It's just like, there you go. They're together. Everybody's back in Christmas land. Uncle Frank's still doing drugs. Uh, Gretchen's (laughs) still a complete fucking lunatic. Roll credits.
1: (laughs) That sums it up pretty nicely. (laughs) No, it is a very nonsensical film. I believe it was probably just churned out for Hallmark. If you would like to watch it however it is available for free on Netflix well not for free you have to pay a subscription obviously every month or yearly to watch it but it's included in that subscription people so if you're fancying a bit of festive nonsensical fun that's what that's what you need to go for so I also must note that the director Sam Irvine is a bit of a Christmas movie connoisseur he has directed other titles such as I'm not ready for Christmas and My Christmas Prince But for the horror movie fans out there, and basically this is kind of weird because he has directed the queen of our podcast in a movie, Elvira's Haunted Hills. He directed that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a director, you just direct the stuff that comes your way some of the time. And I can't have a go at him. If he's a jobbing director, that's fine. And at least he's got Elvira's Haunted Hills on his CV. So he's always got that to fall back on. This is probably something that he may not particularly... I mean, I don't know. He might be proud of this. You know, it's a movie. But I would guess that he will be pointing to other stuff on his CV before this one.
1: Absolutely. And then the lead actress who plays Jules, Nikki Deloach, is also a bit of a Hallmark Christmas darling. And she has also appeared in titles such as Two Turtle Doves and Cranberry Christmas. I was looking through these and thinking, who comes up with this nonsense? These ty- and, I, and what I find like with these movies, they're all the same movie. Because when we're describing the plot of this one... It's very similar, or if not the same, to Love on Safari, which we um, covered quite early on in our podcast journey. So yeah. you're just watching the same thing, and you know exactly where it's going. Like I would literally fall off my chair if there was a twist in a Hallmark movie that I didn't see coming. Like, For example, if the ambitious woman stays with the sleazy boyfriend and doesn't actually get together with the uh, typical, what did I call him? Predictable cute guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is predictably (laughs) cute. Yeah, these people as well, the predictably cute guys have got nothing going for them other than that they're predictably cute. And you just think, well, he's not probably a soulmate, but he's a lot better than the wanker that she's with at the start. And that's pretty much what these are predicated on. I mean, I would have liked to have seen Uncle Frank get uh, pinched by the cops at the end for his drug dealing and human trafficking activities, but you can't have everything and gretchen you know there's probably a lot of bodies stacked up in her basement but you never got to see that either
1: <laughs> that would make this film far more interesting <laughs> yeah it's not great but if you go <laughs> on imdb people have rated this 5.9 out of 10 which i think oh, five,
0: is five, very, nine? very generous 5.9 of these people on drugs have they been <laughs> have they been given stuff by uncle frank 5.9
1: He's bribed them. He's bribed them with the drugs, definitely. But if you were uh, to turn to Rotten Tomatoes, this film has zero reviews and zero ratings, so it's not even recognised by Rotten Tomatoes. It's on there, it's listed, but no one cares enough to even go there and write a review about it. So, yeah, this is the kind of movie that is just typically turned out over the festive season, just to get people in the mood for it. I can't really defend this film in any any capacity. It was cheesily bad. The performances were corny. All of it is just pretty bad. But I would say it's entertainingly bad, especially when you can come up with theories like Darren just has about like, the <laughs> drug dealing and then the bodies under the basement. If you can kind of add your own perspective, then maybe it makes it that much better. But as I say, the dialogue is terrible. And all I have to say to end the review
0: of this film is when in doubt, just add glitter. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 46 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening.
1: And I hope you're just adding glitter to all your Christmas ornaments this year. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, We are on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast if you'd like to follow us.
0: Next... After the juggernaut that was Christmasland, what are we going to be doing for the next How can you follow up Christmasland? Well, we're going to try to follow it up. And in the next episode, we're going to take a look at a movie that I think both of us saw when we were much younger. It's starring a certain Mr Arnold Schwarzenegger, turning to his more comedic side. It's the very festive Jingle All The Way. So, until then... Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bain. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, and Podbean.